Hello, Facebook friends. Nice to see you. Bill Allen here on a beautiful Texas afternoon. It is nice and sunny and uh, warm. Uh, we have had our share of cold, as you know, and thank you again for keeping all of us cold Texans in your prayers. If you're from out of state and for praying for each other, if you're here, uh, just enjoy having you with me on these Tuesday, Thursday afternoon studies. We are working through the book of Colossians, and I am glad to have you and look forward to having a few others join in and also to be able to um, uh, encourage you to take part in other studies that we have. You'll see them on my Facebook page, and you'll also see them on our website at westerwin.com, Irwin spelled E-R-W-I-N, and then scroll over the um, social media and other resources link at the top and then click on live streaming page scroll down and click on archive video archives and you can see a whole lot of our stuff there uh, but i'm glad that you're here with me today i'm sure we'll have several joining in see my cousin gail is here my friend pat is here and others i know will take part either live or uh, it um, uh, taking uh, part in these a little bit later either here on my facebook page on our west Irwin church of christ facebook page our west Irwin live Facebook page or on the website, uh, as I said. Uh, we're in this section of Colossians 3 that uh, kind of spells out a little bit of what it means to set your mind and your heart on things above, on the eternal things. Certainly that's what uh, Paul encourages us to do at the very beginning of chapter 3. And then uh, later on uh, at, the, uh, at the end of chapter 3 and then leading on into final chapter, chapter 4 of the book of Colossians, he goes into some detail about certain things and shares a little bit more practical information of what that looks like on a day-to-day -day basis, for example, in the Christian home, in your home. Uh, but also here in these verses, in Colossians 3, he, uh, he gives us some specific commandments. Uh, there are commands in the New Testament. We forget that sometimes, but they certainly are because uh, scripture is given us so that we know how to live in ways that honor God. As we have um, emphasized uh, this week and will again next week, uh, that great verse, Colossians 3, verse 17, that says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, to honor Him, to honor our Father, and to do that gratefully uh, with gratitude in our hearts to the Lord. And I think what that means is that we live a certain way, not grudgingly, <laughs> but we are willing to put God first and are willing to pray the same prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. And we do that out of gratitude because of the great blessings that he has already given to us. And that's how Colossians 3 starts out. So I see my uh, dear sister and friend Tia is on here. Uh, Cindy and Eric Mosley, great, great friends of mine that keep us in prayer so much. And miss seeing you guys, miss seeing you all, but uh, look forward to that day coming soon. Uh, as we uh, have looked over the last couple of weeks and are going to stretch it out into next week as well, we've looked at the thou shalt nots. Uh, last week we covered those thou shalt nots from Colossians 3 verses 5 through 11. And on Tuesday of this week, we looked at a, a little laundry list in Colossians 3, verse 12, of some of the thou shalts. Here's a few of them. Therefore, 
as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Again, those things aren't uh, given to us uh, in order to be loved by God, but because we are loved by God. Those things aren't given to us as if to say, if you live like this, you'll be saved, but rather we're already God's chosen people. And so what scripture does is it tells us that we should live that way. And living that way means that we're willing to uh, refrain uh, from doing things that are sinful, such as he lists in Colossians 3, verses 5 through 11 that we looked at last week, but also to do some things. We've said this week that Christianity is a very positive religion, and it is. And there are things that we are called to do, and three of the big ones are on our list uh, for today. And so I hope that you've been able to take part in these lessons, and if you haven't, then go back and and review some of those thou shalt nots and some of the other thou shalts uh, that, we're, that we're talking about uh, this week. And we're going to talk about a few more next week. Uh, but these three today, forgiveness, love, and peace, and unity. Those are not just great ideas. Those are things that God commands. He commands us uh, to forgive. He commands us to love. Uh, he commands us to live at peace and to be uh, unified with our fellow believers in Christ. So I want us to take a look at those starting in verse 13 uh, with these very simple but very difficult words. Colossians 3 verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We'll look at some passages that talk about forgiveness. First of all, in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 32, very similar to this section of Colossians. Remember Ephesians and Colossians are two of what we call the prison epistles that Paul writes, probably from uh, being in house arrest in Rome. Uh, also, of course, uh, the book of Philippians is included in that group, and Philemon, a member of the church at Colossae that Paul writes. Um, but in Ephesians 4, verse 32, it reads very similar to what we just read in Colossians 3, verse 13. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Well, again, that's very similar to what he says in Colossians 3, verse 13. And it tells us something that sounds easy enough, but we know uh, from a practical experience perspective that this is something that's very hard to do. To forgive others is hard enough. But then when he gives us that standard, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Forgive each other as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Uh, he introduces it in Colossians 3 verse 13 with that call to uh, bear with each other, to be forbearing of one another. A similar term at the end of verse 12 that we are to live lives of patience. We are to be patient. And um, the patience of God is talked about in 2 Peter 3 when he talks about here's why the world is still existing because God is patient. He's long-suffering. He is forbearing us, bearing with our sins to give us another opportunity to repent. God does not want anyone to die, to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance, 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says. And that's why the world still exists, and that's the only reason. Uh, but there will come a day when God's patience will run out, and he will send his son, 
And 2 Peter 3 says that, that, but the day of the Lord will come uh, like a thief in the night. It will come on a time when no one is expecting it, when those who thought they had plenty of time and could continue living their life as if God didn't exist, as if Jesus would never return, well, he will. The day of the Lord will come. And all of this physical stuff will be destroyed and we will go before the Lord. And uh, because we have come to trust in Jesus Christ, we will live with him for eternity. And we can't wait for that day uh, to come. But we know that if it, if it lingers, it's because of the patience and forbearance of God. Well, similarly, Paul tells us in Colossians 3 that we need to be patient with one another, that we need to forbear with one another and forgive one another, just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. Again, being willing to forgive is a, is a difficult chore, uh, but when you add that standard that we forgive based on how God has forgiven us, that is an incredibly high standard. We'll talk about some similar things when we get to the next commandment in verse 14 that calls us to love each other. Well, this is very related, obviously. And, and so we, we think about this call to forgive, and it's interesting because in a, in a passage like this, uh, we are forgiven by God, and so therefore we are called to forgive others in the same way. In Matthew 6, as you know, and also in Matthew 18, uh, Jesus kind of puts the shoe on the other foot. In Matthew 6, as he's teaching us how to pray in what we have traditionally called the Lord's Prayer, uh, there's only one of those parts of that prayer that he actually has commentary on, he comments on, and that is the call to forgive. Uh, when we pray for forgiveness, forgive us our debts or our sins as we have forgiven others the sins that they have committed against us. Well, then he finishes out the prayer and then and the teaching. And then at the end, he, he says, for uh, God is going to use the measure that you forgive others uh, to use that same standard and that same measure in forgiving others you. Uh, Matthew 18, there is that incredible story, that parable that Jesus tells uh, of a man who owed a whole lot of money. I mean, an, an almost uncountable amount of money. And uh, he goes to his debtor and he says, pay up and or else go to jail, you and your family. And the man says, please have mercy on me. I'll pay it back. I promise there's no way he could, but he says he would. And so the man forgives the debt. He, he forgives the debt and he lets him go off uh, a free man. But then he, that man sees someone who owes him just a little bit, not nearly as much, uh, nowhere close to as much as he had just been forgiven. And, and the man asked him the, the same thing, just give me some time and I'll pay it back, I promise. And, but he refuses to have mercy on him. And instead, he has him put in jail, and he says, you're not getting out until you pay the last penny. Well, in Jesus' story, there were others who saw that happen, and they knew what had happened with the man, and so they go back and they tell the one that had just forgiven him. And he ends up putting that man back in jail and says, you and your family will, will lose your freedom uh, forever, basically, because you can't pay this back ever. And, uh, and then Jesus adds this statement at the end. When you're reading the parables, you want to 
you want to look at those um, introductory and concluding remarks that Jesus or that the gospel writer might add in there because they help us to understand the point of the parable. And as we have seen in our study of Mark in, uh, uh, on Sunday afternoons, parables have a point. They may have lots of applications, but they always have a point, and that's where you want to start. Sometimes that point is understood based on some of the comments that are made at the beginning or at the end of the parable. In this case, at the end, because in, in Matthew 18, Jesus says, this is how it will be for any of you who do not forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. And so that's his point. That's his message. And it's the same message that he gives in the, in the uh, Lord's Prayer, that we are to forgive others and that God will take a look at that in determining our forgiveness. Well, in Ephesians 4 and in Colossians 3 here, we are to forgive based on how the Lord has already forgiven us. That's the standard. Uh, and uh, as we'll see in the, in the message on love here in a minute, there's several standards on how we can love, and there's several standards on how we can forgive. And the highest standard of all, is to forgive others the way God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. And that's what this passage says. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We don't forgive based on how much they deserve it. We don't forgive based on how much they've hurt us. We use those standards sometimes, don't we? That's, that's kind of how we feel. We feel like, well, if I forgive them, then that means they didn't hurt me. That's not true. That, that's why you forgive. You say, well, I can't forgive them because what they did was wrong. Exactly. Exactly. That's the whole point of forgiveness. You forgive someone because they wronged you. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that the relationship is restored. In working with um, women's shelters, when we lived in Arlington for 20 years, I worked with women's shelters in Tarrant County, where Fort Worth is in Arlington, and also at the Arlington Women's Shelter. I I spoke with women who had had to flee for their lives and the lives of their children from abusive husbands or partners. And uh, they they were very devout women and they felt like what they were doing was wrong because they were asking me as a preacher, does this mean I haven't forgiven them? And my, and my husband says, I, I'm, I'm going to be condemned if I, if I don't forgive him and take him back. Well, those are two different issues. Uh, forgiving someone and being in relationship with them are two different issues. We can turn it over to God and leave it in the hands of the Lord, but that doesn't mean that we should uh, stay in a marriage relationship or get married to someone. Uh, that that's, doesn't mean that, and it doesn't mean that we should stay in business with someone. Perhaps in a business relationship, someone is wronged, and and that their business partner uh, has done them wrong and they're called upon to forgive them and they can forgive them and let loose of that uh, wrong that has been done to them. But it doesn't mean that they have to remain in that business relationship. That's a whole nother question. Sometimes you might, uh, but not all the time. Sometimes you might forgive that spouse and stay in that relationship. Um, but And I think that's the majority of times. But there are uh, great questions, and I urge you to seek counseling with church leaders that you trust or with a, a licensed professional counselor that you can talk to about these things, preferably someone that's a person of faith that uses that faith aspect in their counsel. 
I think those are they're they're wonderful ones out there, and I urge you to t to talk to someone. But it doesn't take away from the call of Jesus Christ and the rest of Scripture to forgive. We remember Jesus on the cross. Forgive them. He prayed to his Father. They don't know what they're doing. It's un unbelievable that Jesus would have that attitude. Uh, and so we forgive because we've been hurt. We forgive because someone has wronged us. And another aspect of forgiveness is uh, just simply because we forgive them doesn't mean that God forgives them. You know, I, I think there's a great passage of Scripture in 1 Peter 2 where Peter is talking about Jesus and he's talking about how he uh, was willing to forgive and was willing to be merciful even when he was on the cross. And, and what Peter says, the way Jesus was able to do that, is he simply says this, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And I think that's what we do when we forgive. Uh, we basically say, look, God, I, this is out of my area. I'm going to have to entrust you to deal with this in a merciful and, and, and just way. But as for me, I'm going to let go of it. I'm going to turn it loose. And, and let you deal with it from here. And I'm going to refuse to let Satan use this to wear me down. Uh, one of the things that Amy Morin says in her wonderful little book that we're uh, studying in our Bible class on Sunday morning, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, uh, the second one on her list is they don't give away their power. And when we refuse to forgive someone, then we, we, give, we give them our power. Uh, we relinquish our power to them because then it becomes something that we hold on to as a grudge and and that uh, is negatively affecting us. But when we forgive and turn it loose, then we're saying, in spite of what you have done to me, I refuse to let that be the deciding factor on the healthy aspects of my life. Uh, that's a very, very mature and important thing. Uh, we look back in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, what Jesus calls the second greatest commandment, uh, loving your neighbor as yourself. In the passage in Leviticus 19, 18, where that, pass, that call is actually originally given, that Jesus looks back to and says is the second greatest commandment in the law. Uh, well, that, that passage says this, do not bear a grudge against one of my people, but rather love your neighbor as yourself. It's always been uh, impressive to me that the opposite in the original passage of loving your neighbor as yourself is refusing to forgive. Uh, that, that's powerful. That's powerful. And so we're called upon uh, to forgive. And in Colossians 3 and in Ephesians 4, we forgive because God has forgiven us. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And I realize that some hurts are bigger than others and some take time. So I'm not asking you to, to uh, just as if it never happened today, just turn that out. But you can be working on that. You can be progressing towards uh, forgiving someone. And I ask you know you to be very honest with yourself. Are you seeking to leave that to God? Are you seeking uh, to turn that over to the one who judges justly? Uh, let him deal with that. <laughs> That's more in God's pay grade, not in yours, not in mine. Uh, and so Paul calls on all of us in Colossians 3 verse 13 to forgive. The very next verse is, is related, Colossians 3 verse 14. And over all these virtues, all the ones that he has listed, 
uh, in this section of Colossians 3. Over all these virtues, Colossians 3 verse 14, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Um, that love and unity is going to be seen in the next verse as well, as well, that calls us in verse 15 to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. And so all of these things are blending together, forgiveness, love, being at peace with yourself and with each other, uh, having unity in the body of Christ, and all of it uh, coming from a, a, um, a desire to be grateful uh, to God and to be thankful. Uh, these are all related and all work, I think, together. Uh, this call in verse 14 um, to love, over all these virtues, over all these thou shalt nots and thou shalts, Paul says, I call you uh, to be a people who love each other and to be one who loves others. Uh, Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 13, that love chapter that has so many wonderful things to say about what Christian love really is. He says at the end of it, the greatest of these is love. Similarly, he tells the Colossians here, above all everything else, put on love, which binds them all together uh, in perfect peace and unity. When uh, when Jesus is reflecting in Luke's gospel, Luke 10, on those great commandments, uh, and someone asks him a question about what it means to love your neighbor as yourself, specifically, who is my neighbor in Luke 10? Um, and basically, the question is, who do I have to love? Uh, Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, and he doesn't answer the man's question because the, the question is, the answer is obvious. We're to love everybody. Uh, but what he does help him to understand in telling that story of the Good Samaritan is this is what it looks like to love someone. Biblical love is a very active love. Uh, John, the apostle whom Jesus loved, as he describes himself in the Gospel of John, in 1 John chapters 3 and 4, he talks about how this is love that, that God loved us and that he gave his one and only son. And so because God loved us, we should love others. Um, that passage always surprises me in 1 John 3 and 4 because I expect him to say, since God so loved us, we also ought to love God. That would make more sense, wouldn't it? But it's just the same as what Jesus says in John 13 after he has washed the disciples' feet the night before he is killed. He tells them, do you see what I've done for you? I have done this for you, so now I want you to do this, not for me, but for each other. He says the same thing about love. In 1 John 3 and 4, and here in Colossians 3, verse 14, he calls on us above everything else uh, to be a people who love each other with that active love that is willing to forgive, that is willing to help, that is willing to put them first. And yes, this term in Colossians 3, verse 14, is that highest degree of love, agape. It's that love that always acts in the best interest of the other person, not self. It's a very selfless love. Um, in John 13, that familiar passage where Jesus says, as I have loved you, I want you to love others. And he says in John 13, verses 34 and 35, that by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love each other, if you love each other like I have loved you. 
We think back on the Sermon on the Mount, and in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus t tells us exactly what it means to have this kind of love, the kind of love that he had for us. Romans 5 tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, demonstrating God's love in a great way. Well, in Matthew 5, Jesus says we're to have that same kind of love because he says in Matthew 5, we are to love our enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for them. And, and not pray for them that they'll fall off a cliff or get hit by a truck. Pray for them that God will bless them, that God will bring good things into their lives. Um, that's what it means to love your enemies. And, uh, and sometimes we get this all fouled up just like we do with forgiveness. We think the only people that we're supposed to love are the ones who love us that we love others the way they love us. I don't think that's exactly how that second great command says, or even the golden rule um, to treat others the way you would like to be treated. Well, that's a very high standard, uh, but that's not even the highest standard. The highest standard is we are to treat others the way God has treated us, not, not in ways that we deserve, but in forgiveness and in love. We love others the way Christ has loved us. Um, and just as Jesus loved his enemies, including us, uh, because of our sins, we are called to love our enemies as well. And here's the thing about these commands, this command to forgive, this command to love, this command coming up, uh, to be at peace with each other. Those commands are only needed because they're hard to fulfill. <laughs> Jesus doesn't have to command us to love the ones who love us. We do that naturally. Just as he said when he talked about being a servant, uh, he said, you know, that if you're just going to serve the ones that, that you like and that like you, that's, that's no different than the uh, pagan world does. They, they love the ones that love them. They serve the ones that serve them. Uh, that's, that's the way the world is. But what separates the people of God from everyone else is that they love even the ones who hate them. They forgive even the ones who do them the worst wrongs. And we do that again because that's how God has treated us. And we don't have to be told to love our friends. We don't have to be told to love those who love us. We don't have to be told to forgive people who are deserving of our forgiveness. The challenge comes to forgive those who, who don't repent, those who are still our enemies. And again, forgiving them doesn't mean that their souls are saved. That's, that's up to God, not us. Forgiving them simply means that we're not going to allow the way they have treated us to ruin our lives and our mental health and our emotional health and our spiritual relationship with God. We refuse to do that. And so we forgive. And so we love. Again, it's, it's easy to love people that love you. It's easy, it's easy to love people you like. <laughs> but the thing that sets the followers of Christ apart from everyone else, Jesus says, by this everyone will know, you're my disciples, if you have the kind of love for others that I have for you. And that means we love our enemies. It's kind of like in this country, we have laws about, about freedom of speech. Well, freedom laws about freedom of speech are not needed if we like what someone is saying. <laughs> but the freedom of speech laws are there specifically because some people aren't going to like what I say. And I'm not going to like what some others say. 
But to actually live in a free country, again, not destructive, not threatening, but to live in a free country means there are people who say things that I don't particularly like, but they have the right to say it. Well, that's why those freedom of speech laws are on the books, because because there are going to be things that people say that others don't like. And I think this is a very important discussion that's going on in our country right now. And I think it's very significant. And it's very significant for the church, for Christians, for religious freedom issues. Because there are a lot of people in this world and some people in power that don't like what the Bible says and don't like people proclaiming what the Bible says. But that's our call. We believe it. Uh, we believe that it is the inspired and authoritative word of God. And so we seek to live by it and we seek to share it. We do that humbly. We do that considerately. We do that out of love. Those things have to be present, uh, but we continue to do that. And so again, the call to love others <laughs> is there because we're called to love people that are pretty unlovable, that are hard to love because of the way they treat us. But again, that's how the Roman Empire was destroyed by the Christian church not because the christian church put up their weapons and won them over in battle but because they overcame evil with good just as the book of romans says in the end of chapter 12. that's what it means to love others uh, the way christ has loved us and then finally these verses in in um, uh, in verse 15 it says this let the peace of christ Rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. At the end of verse 14, in talking about love, he had said, uh, above everything else, put on love, because love binds these all together in perfect unity. And love is the key for the unity of the church. And there's a vast difference between unity and uniformity. If you read the New Testament epistles at all, uh, places such as Romans 12 through uh, 15, uh, 1 Corinthians 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. You read those chapters, Ephesians 4, you're going to be struck by the fact that, wow, the church, the first century church, they had trouble getting along. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Romans 9 through 11 in our Roman series on Sunday mornings in a few weeks. And, and Ephesians, Romans, Galatians, uh, Colossians. So many of these books of the New Testament are one of the overriding themes is that uh, Christians had trouble getting along. And scripture is, is given to us to help us know, uh, remind us that we are called to get along, but also remind us how that happens. And the way that happens is what we're talking about in these verses today in Colossians 3, uh, 13 through 15, and that is to forgive one another to love each other the way God in Christ loved us, to forgive the way God in Christ forgave us, and to be at peace with each other. Peace doesn't mean in Scripture the absence of conflict, quite the opposite. In John 16, verse 33, a very, very well-known verse, uh, our Lord says just before his death, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Not only does he not say that peace is the absence of trouble, he actually says in the midst of trouble, if you remember my words, you can still be at peace. 
Uh, the call to peace and unity does not imply that we are in complete agreement on everything. Again, just the opposite. There would be no need for scripture to call us to, to get along and to love each other and to forgive each other and to be at peace with each other, uh, to be unified if we all agreed on every single issue. that There wouldn't be any need. But the church is a diverse church, uh, not just racially, but uh, doctrinally as well. We have a lot of different beliefs. Uh, and that was true in the first century too. Some of them were very serious and, and uh, important beliefs. But those great passages that we're going to be looking at in <clears throat> another month or so in our Roman study and in chapters 13 and 14 and 15 especially, those, those, are, those are hard words that are given to Christians who had a lot of differences of opinion about what uh, was acceptable uh, to God as far as how they should live. Uh, we don't always agree on everything, and, and Christians in the New Testament didn't either. But what this call to forgive and to love and to be at peace and unified with each other is that we are one body. I love that song uh, that we sing sometimes. We are the body of Christ, and we're called to be at peace with each other. We're not called to be at war with one another. We are on the same side. Even if we have our differences, we are on the same side. There are plenty of other enemies of Christ and the gospel in our world today. Satan is strong and he is alive and he's right here in River City as the old song goes uh, from the wonderful play. And, and I think we need to remember uh, that uh, we need each other and we need to have each other's back and we need to be on the same page and we need to be on the same team doesn't mean that we agree on every single issue but it does mean that we have a great love and uh, respect for each other and that we are uh, at at peace with one another even in the midst of our ongoing discussions about some of our differences uh, we can still have unity we certainly don't need to be enemies of one another in the body of christ um, Jesus said in John 17, just as he said in John 13, that if we love each other, that's how the world will know that we're his disciples. In John 17, in his great, wonderful high priestly prayer before he's arrested and killed, uh, he reminds us that we are to be at one with each other and unified with each other. And that also is how the world will know that we are his disciples, because in spite of our differences, we still have a huge degree of respect and love for each other and we forgive each other and we help each other uh, to grow. Uh, iron strengthens iron, uh, Proverbs says, sharpening each other. Uh, and I think that's how Christians are to be even and sometimes because of our um, differences. We're able to sharpen each other, but we do that from a perspective of love and acceptance. We do that from a perspective of unity and peace, even in our differences. Um, this is a great, great passage. And uh, these verses in Colossians 3, verses 13 and 14, on forgiveness and love and peace, verses, uh, verse 15, that talks about that peace and that unity and that gratitude. Uh, we'll start there next week, and we're going to go into that wonderful verse 16 on Tuesday that talks about 
because of all of these things, what do we do? We sing. We sing and we teach each other and we encourage each other through singing together. I look forward to talking a little bit about that from Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 16, because I think that's an important call for us today. The old hymn, the old spiritual says, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow and I know, I know he watches over me. Well, that's what Paul says in Colossians 3. From a spirit of gratitude, from a spirit of forgiveness, from a spirit of unity and peace, from a spirit of love, we sing. Looking forward to our lesson next Tuesday and then finishing out this section of Colossians 3 on Thursday with that great and wonderful Colossians 3, verse 17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Um, magnifying, worshiping, honoring God the Father through him from a spirit of gratitude. I pray that God will bless you. I pray a special prayer for my friends, Karen, Clayton, and all of her family, her wonderful sons, Jeff and Kyle, and of course Greg's family, uh, in the passing of my friend and, and my mentor and my father in the, in the faith, uh, Ronnie Clayton. Um, uh, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not thankful for him because of leading me to Christ and uh, encouraging me uh, to give my life to preaching the gospel. Um, I pray that uh, you'll say a prayer uh, for the Clayton family in the days to come. Uh, God bless us all as we seek to honor and glorify our Lord in everything we say and in everything we do. Amen. <laughs>